sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. This administration doesn't want immigrants coming in any more than absolutely necessary. He wants to limit legal immigration. He wants to penalize legal immigrants who use public benefits. I don't think that there should be limits on the special prosecutor. Uh, Donald Trump should be treated like any other witness. There are all kinds of theories about whether a president in a criminal matter can be subpoenaed. I believe that the president is like any other American and can be. Let's test that. I've never been involved in, a, in, in an investigation on, on either side that's more illegitimate than this one. The real story here is not that this case isn't going to fizzle. It's going to blow up on them. The idea of the shadow ban is that you ban someone, but they don't know they've been banned because they keep posting, but no one sees their content. So they just think that no one's engaging with their content when in reality, no one's seeing it. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome to the program, everybody. Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Ride here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Glad to be with you today. Uh, wonderful, wonderful developments here. Glad to be on the air. Fantastic for it to be Thursday. Weather is good. It's not super hot. And we're like one day closer to the oldest getting dropped off at college. And so we have been, it's like, no matter how much planning you do, that last week beforehand, you're still scrambling. And I did check in with a couple of moms who did this last year and the year before, and they're saying the same thing. Oh, my goodness. She's going off to college. You know, she's going to be having such a great time. But in the end, it's the end of one era of my parenting with her and the beginning of another one. And she's ready to go. And I'm not, I, I'm not one of those people who's crying every night and, you know, I can't believe this is happening. But I still kind of can't believe it's happening. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about her going and she's not going to be very far away, but it is just a real interesting time to be doing all of this and then having her also preparing to go off to college. Um, she, she, a couple of our friends had her uh, over and they kind of prayed with her and were speaking positive things into her life and gave her a gift. And um, then I, I saw one of them today at the luncheon and it was just, it was, it's a nice moment, but it's also, it's difficult. This is, this is a tough time. And I've seen other moms do it and I know it can be done, but it's also, um, it's a tough time. So welcome to the show. Thanks for being here today at Stacey on the Red on Twitter and Instagram. And we are still doing Truth For Youth Week. It's the week where you can get a free manga comic with a Bible. It's all in one book. And you can get that for free. If you go to truthforyouth.com or call. Uh, the number to call is 800-733-4737. You can call that number. And when you call, you get to speak to someone between the hours of 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. Uh, outside those hours, just go to truthforyouth.com. Super easy for you. You can get in there, um, get get your free copy or order a ton of copies for maybe everyone in your Bible study. You give one of those to them. You know how it is in Bible study where at the end of Bible study, you get a gift. Maybe you do it that way. Or maybe you order a ton of copies and keep them at your house for when teenagers come over to visit, when your friends come over and you realize they have a teenager, you pass it to them and just say, hey, this is something they can read and then share with a friend at school. You have every right to pass these things out at school um, as long as it's not during curriculum time, as long as it's not presented as curriculum any 
material can be shared, whether it's constitutions, Bibles, anything you feel like you want to share. So that that's your right under the law. Um, and then we also have, uh, in addition to Truth for Youth Week, we're going to be talking about Engage Ministry, which is a part of American Family Association. That is happening in the next segment. We're going to be speaking to Wesley Wildman. I, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but all the Wildmans are wicked awesome, like super awesome. I'm, I've met, I think I've met every single Wildman, I believe. No, no. I have, there's someone I haven't met. I think it's one of the wives I haven't met, but I've met... Mr. Tim Wildman and his wife, and I met a couple of the cutie cute grandkids and one of the daughters-in-law. So I'm I'm not all the way there yet, but I might get to complete the circle next week when we're in Tupelo uh, for the Marriage and Family Conference, which, by the way, you can still register for that, urbanfamilytalk.com. Wonderful lineup of speakers. I'm so excited to get to participate. So that's going to be really awesome. So let's now pivot over to Nancy Pelosi. Now, this is not me saying this. This is her. She said at a a gathering that voting for Democrats gives illegal immigrants leverage. It's number one. I don't want to be political here. Uh, uh, I would say that uh, to the extent that people hear the stories, it's interesting uh, because there was a recent survey that said, well, if you ask people about their attitude toward immigration and newcomers to the country, they might have one view. You know, they haven't thought about it a whole lot except they're hearing the president and this and that. But if they know one family, if they know one immigrant family, if they go to school with any immigrant children, if their children go to school with any immigrant children, if they go to church with any immigrant, they have a completely positive view. It changes everything. That's why I keep talking about public sentiment. And so this, this, because this is the right thing to do, I have confidence that we will get where we need to go. But everything is about time. And we want to shorten the distance, as your question indicated, between what we think is inevitable for America, they think is uh, uh, inconceivable, but we believe that we can get this done. We are not going to be able to get it done under the Republican uh, leadership in Congress. We believe that we will have leverage when we win in November. And why that's important? Because it gives leverage to every family, to every mom who courageously brought her child across the desert to escape, to escape death, rape, gang violence, and the rest. Okay, so... If we unpack what she just said, first of all, she's saying that if you came here illegally, that she wants you to vote so that you can have leverage. She's also saying illegal immigrants or legal immigrants, anyone here in America who votes for the Democrats is giving leverage to illegal immigrants. She says what they want is inevitable, but it cannot come to pass under the Republicans. So it's a foregone conclusion for Nancy Pelosi that our border at the South will completely be obliterated and that the 40 percent of illegal entrants who are here now who overstay their visas, that they will stay as well and that illegals will have the vote. And that basically it's this radical transformation of the country that that's about to happen. And it's and it's over. It's it's done. All they need to do is take back Congress and the leverage that she's speaking about. I mean, we, I guess we should ask Nancy Pelosi, but I'm pretty sure she means holding impeachment proceedings against the president to cripple him so that they can get their agenda done instead. 
They just still haven't accepted the fact that they lost in November of 2016. So she had a few more things to say. As flabbergasting as those first things were, she had even more to add. It's number two. Because it gives uh, hope to, to uh, because of the leverage it gives to families who's, who may have father, dad may have gone home for a family funeral and now can't come back into the country. Uh, all of those injustices have to be corrected. There's a path, and that path is greatly brightened by the knowledge of that is in, the, in this community who sees firsthand uh, simple solutions which make a big difference in people's lives. And, and so uh, this is, we're getting ready. We're getting ready for this. And it is only to come back to a place that honors our values, recognizes the importance of innovation to the success of America. So this isn't about the success of America. It's, a, it's about the success of one political party over the other. And it's about two divergent paths that one party wants to put us on a path towards open borders and a loss of national sovereignty. The other party wants to slow that down a tad. I, I no longer have full faith that people on the right who are elected are single minded about maintaining American sovereignty, because if they were, they're in control of Congress. They would ram something through the same way that the Democrats ram through Obamacare. It, it's possible to use procedural methods to get this done before the, the midterm. But we're not we're not seeing that. And that's because we do have a huge segment of uh, donor class and people like that who want to see, you know, a continuation of this cheap influx of labor. And that hurts regular everyday Americans. It hurts people who are working for a living, people who need American jobs to stay in America, people who have to put food on the table. They have loans to pay. They have mortgages to pay. They need to buy gas and food. And they're American citizens. Their votes should count for something. They voted in President Trump. They voted in a Republican Congress. And instead of shoring up the deal and, and supporting the president on his aims, we're not seeing that. Now, I want to because when we talk about this, what happens is your blood, your blood gets to boiling, your little beads of sweat break it on your forehead. And you think to yourself, wow, I'm you know, part, part of you is naturally afraid because the more illegal immigrants we have here, the more criminals mix in with that bunch and come into the country and commit crimes. It feels like, you know, what do we do? Well, we know what to do. We're Christians. We've got to trust God with our, our cares. And as much as we advocate for rendering unto Caesar that which is Caesar, so voting, as much as we say to ourselves, you know, God is in control, we have to really focus on that and keep all of this in the context of what moves the mighty hand of God? The prayers of his people. The Bible says his eyes are continually roving the earth, searching for that righteous man or righteous woman that he can show himself strong in, meaning he can answer their prayers. He can work in their lives and that they will give glory to God when that work is accomplished. So others will see that and want to come to Christ. So he's waiting on us to say, you know what? I'm ready to give up all this stuff that you've been, you've been talking to me about. You've been convicting me about. I'm ready to give all that stuff up and I'm ready to devote myself to making sure that I pray to you every day, not just devotionals in the morning, but having a walk. A walk with God means it's a constant conversation. I remember uh, it was an elderly friend of ours at an old church who used to tell me, she would say this to me. I was, I was a young mom. Our kids were like, bing, 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 tiny, short, two in pull-ups. You know, it was just crazy. And she would say to me almost every Sunday, she'd say, I hope you've been talking to God all day, every day. 
And I remember one Sunday <laughs> I looked up and I had literally one kid clamped onto each leg and I was holding one. And I said, when, when, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> she said, all, all day long, all you have to do is cast your cares on God, cast your cares on your father in heaven. As you go about taking care of the kids, pray over them, pray with them and pray to God. And that has stuck with me. And I haven't always been fantastic at it, but I find every year when I look back through my prayer journal, I can see where I'm getting better at it. It's a little tiny baby step at a time. But the more we speak to him about our cares, the less they weigh down on us. And this immigration issue is definitely a care for us because if you actually care about parents being separated from their kids, then you care a lot about the parents who are American citizens whose children have been killed or raped or kidnapped by illegal immigrants. You care about those people. You're worried about them being forever separated from their kids until eternity because they've got their kids have been killed. Their, their kids are gone. So, you know, I. I I know it's difficult for some people on the left to comprehend that, but the fact is it's one thing to have your child temporarily separated from you at the border because you've committed a crime. It's another thing to have your child separated from you for the rest of your time here on this earth because some illegal immigrant killed them. So what do we do? Well, we can look to the Bible, um, specifically the early disciples, even the apostles, were constantly amazed by the power and authority and workings of Jesus Christ. Jesus calmed the water with one word. The wind and waves obeyed him. He let people during that era when he was on earth see that because he wanted them to know the power that rested in the Son of Man, who is our Father in heaven as well, the triune God. He walked on water. He even let Peter walk on water. He called people back from the grave. He, he, he did amazing miracles to show us the scope of his power. So have we learned anything? When we look at these Bible stories, are they just stories to us? Or do we believe that God could enable us to have revival in this country and really, really radically change the lives of millions of Americans? That he could turn an unchurched generation, the millennials, the first unchurched generation in the history of this country, that he could turn their hearts towards God. I think he could do it. I know he could do it. But we have to ask. Our Father knows what we need before we ask him. We have to pray. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let's pray about this issue. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You know, I'm reading through the Old Testament now, and I'm coming to places that are named that I see on our Israel tour every March. It's really fascinating to think that Jericho existed way back in the Old Testament thousands of years ago and... I can visit there today. The same can be said for Jerusalem. The Bible literally comes to life when you visit Israel, the Holy Land. Now, we're going in March. My wife, Allison, and I, we lead these tours every March. So if you would like to go with us, you need to go to the website and check it out. It's twholyland.com, twholyland.com. If you want a brochure sent to your mailbox, just call us at 800 families Option 5, that's 800-F-A-M-I-L-I-E-S, 
option five, and we'll send you a brochure. Up next, Carol Swain with two minutes to think about it. From poverty to professor, from GED to PhD, a bold Christian speaking truth to power. Here's Carol with today's two minutes. Hello, folks. Do you trust God to get you where you think you need to be in life? Or do you feel you have to make things happen for yourself? As a mover and shaker, I have spent a good portion of my years trying to get myself where I thought I needed to be. Along the way, I learned some truisms. The harder I strive towards a goal, the further it seems to slip away. When I relax and allow God to direct my path without any unnecessary interference from me, I see tremendous breakthroughs. God makes things happen that I could have never orchestrated. We know from Revelation 3, 7 through 8, that the doors he opens, no man can close, and the doors he closes, no man can open. I've learned to pray, prayerfully set my goals, and watch for what God is doing. The hardest thing I have to contend with is not trying to help him do what I think he ought to be doing in my life. Trust me, God doesn't need us out front navigating the ship. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. He also tells us not to be wise in our own eyes. In other words, we're really not as clever as we think we are. We thrive and we grow when we have a healthy trust and a reverent fear of the Lord. To learn more about Carol and the Carol Swing Foundation, visit carolmswing.net. And make sure you follow her on Facebook at Professor Carol M. Swain and on Twitter at Carol M. Swain. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be with you on Truth For Youth Week, truthforyouth.com. Uh, you have another hour or so to call into the toll-free number 800-733-4737, 800-733-4737, to get your free Truth For Youth Bible. Um, but right now, I'd love to welcome Wesley Wildman, who is the Director of Outreach for American Family Association, to the program. Wesley, thanks for joining in today. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I'm looking forward to these couple minutes to talk about a really important project that we've been doing at AFA and AFR for 18 years now. But there's something new about this project that we wanted to include this year. I can't wait to talk about it either. So first off, I didn't realize it was 18 years that yes. Engage Magazine had been there. So I no, 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 no. Let me let me clarify that. A, yeah. uh, AFA and the partnership with Tim Todd has been 18 years. Ah. Yes, Engage is a brand new project. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, so <laughs> Tim Todd, 18 years. He was amazing, by the way. He yes. was on earlier in the week and. What a godly man. I could hear his passion for this work. Oh, absolutely. And and it's wonderful. You know, it's really good, Wesley. And, you know, I got to admit, because the teenagers are not an easy crowd. (laughs) They're not easy. But I gave this, you know, to our teenagers. And they were like, actually, that's pretty cool, Mom. I was like, really? I'm glad you liked it. So, yeah. So let's talk about Engage, the new thing that's going on. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So about two and a half years ago, well, really five years ago, a a handful of millennials here on staff at American Family Association was really passionate and saw the need of a particular effort 
into the millennial crowd as far as reaching them with a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we came together, and over about a year and a half, we put some thoughts, put some things on paper. And then finally, when we had everything lined up, we went before AFA and the leadership, and they gave us their blessing to spend a portion of our time working on a project called Engage Magazine. And so uh, two and a half years ago, we launched. Uh, we're coming up on three years now. And with our with Engage Magazine, it's a division and a department of AFA or AFR, just like UFC would be a division. It's a, it's in the same parameters there, except for we focus every day, all day, on reaching the uh, millennials with a biblical worldview and helping them think through certain situations and different things. Obviously, we have the Ten Commandments, and that's black and white, but then there's some other things as far as our involvement goes in politics and how we should respond to our boss at work and uh, all these kind of different things. So we work through those things using the Scriptures and hope to do that. Well, as a result of that, uh, we looked up this past um, this past year and said, wait, Tim Tide and what they're doing for Truth for Youth Bible Week, they're focusing on the same demographic, anywhere between high school, young adults, uh, and college students. So we wanted to come along and partner with them, and that's what we're doing for the first time this year. Oh, wow. Okay, so... Um, so what can people see in Engage Magazine? I know I, I get the, the AFA journal myself, sure. uh-huh. and I enjoy it a lot. And Absolutely. I actually leave it around in places <laughs> where, right. you know, and so Good the things other day, happen. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? One of the teenagers said to me, I just, did I just read a story? And I was like, where'd you see that? Uh, a magazine you left? It's called the Journal of some sort. I said, you were reading that? She was like, yeah, I read this article and we talked about it. Sure. I was like, Lord, what are you doing with these people? They picked it up. I That's left it right. where they could find it. So Amen. what about Engage? What what are we going to see in there? Yes. Well, let me give you a quick, funny, just a 30 second story about the journal since you mentioned that. what We actually, the 13 reasons why the one of the projects mm-hmm. that AFA has been working on was inspired by somebody who picked up an AFA journal out of the garbage can at a post office. So just to show you how the AFA journal and that that has been the backbone of AFA for uh, coming up on 40, 41 years now. So, and of course, it's um, it's just so that is right. You're exactly right. That has influenced a lot of people. But for the Engage magazine, we understand our audience is primarily going to be online, is going to be receiving uh, or lined up on social medias and all those kind of platforms. However, we do see a need to have a hard copy tangible so we do an annual one for now we may do a quarterly one coming up but we do an annual magazine called engage magazine and you can get one completely for free as an annual one by going to engagemagazine.net but in addition to our partnership with truth for youth bible week we have included a wristband and a bookmark inside or with the bible so okay. that when people receive the bible they'll also be informed on and what we're doing at Engage, because you're going to find all kind of content as it relates to your day-to-day worldview. Okay, so is the wristband this one that says number six? That's right. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so talk to us about the number six. I explained it a few days ago, but this sure. might be new listeners today. So Yeah, yeah. Well, for, I, let me, I should have said this from the very beginning. Thank you so much for having me on, and I really do appreciate your program. This is your first week, so congratulations to that. And Thank I, you. Yes, ma'am. I'm excited. And uh, but, me too. I'm, I'm trying to tamp it down, Wesley. I like, know. So you, you know how? So we're grownups, right? Sure. We're not supposed to be this excited. But if I could, oh my goodness, I would be freaked out the way kids are freaked out at Christmas and stuff like that. Because I I've prayed about this, sure. and at certain points, you know, you're like, you know what, Lord, 
I might be getting ahead of myself. <laughs> and so I thought, you know, because I thought to myself, what, just calm down. Just, yes. You just like doing this. Well, but we, for this we, to happen, I was just like, oh, my goodness. So wonderful. Well, you know? we've been anticipating it here at AF4. And I know that we were in a meeting and my dad looked over and said, all right, guys, we got about two minutes. And this is a Monday meeting because uh, uh, Stacey and the rest about to take off and I want to listen to it. So <laughs> so we, we <laughs> oh closed goodness. the meeting down so we could listen to you. So we, we really Stressful. appreciate it. Stop telling me about that. I don't want to <laughs> think about your no. dad listening to my show. Okay, okay. Back. <laughs> Back on topic, back on topic. Okay. Um, uh, what was the question? Oh, the well, wristbands. So, yeah, 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 the wristbands. The wristbands. Uh, hashtag number six. Uh, uh, I guess it was the it was a Parkland shooting, but then there was previous ones that inspired this. We got to the point where we were like, this mainstream liberal media has taken over and trying to uh, distract from the situation by calling for an object control or a gun control because, you know, that. so that, as a distraction, we thought... Well, this is silly, you know. Why don't we do a wristband, or at least point to the 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 issue here, and that's a person that uh, is acting evil. And so we wanted to. Not only does a wristband uh, hashtag number six remind us of the, uh, the sixth commandment, which is thou shalt not murder. It reminds us of what is wrong, which is a sin, but it also reminds us that that life is valuable and that we are created in the image of God. And so it's just a reminder. We've seen people wear wristbands and shirts all the time, and it sparks a conversation. And so that's what we're hoping to do with the wristbands is to remind people, sorry, remind students specifically on campus, whether it's middle school, high school, uh, college students, remind them that it is not the gun that killed somebody. It's the person that's behind the gun. And at the same time, that we value life and that we uh, all life, we value all life, and that God values all life. And so uh, just a reminder that what we have in our laws that says do not murder originated from God's laws. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I got to say, um, if it was a T-shirt, I have three here who would totally get it. Yes. They love our pro-life T-shirts True. from our local pregnancy resource center. My kids wear their gear more than I do. Like they, nice. they don't just wear it around the house. They wear it out. And when people look at it really hard, they're ready to talk about it, which I think makes the people see them looking back. They're like, I don't want to talk to you. So they just <laughs> keep going. Yeah. But, yes. but the, this yes. is something that I've just, I'm not giving it to our, our chief wearer of all things. That's a message, but she's getting this after Friday because she's already said that's mine um, because she wants to wear it. And so, you know, teenagers, especially those who've been activated for Christ, they're always interested in putting their message out there because they understand what you were just articulating there, yes. Wesley, which is, you know, the, the messages out there for kids are, hey, do porn. Yes. Hey, have sex. You're just an animal. Hey, you're evolved from animals. You know, everything goes. Anything goes. Don't mm-hmm. don't listen to your old no stodgy rules. parents. Yep. Yeah, no rules. None of that. No don't, don't burden yourself. But the truth is, these kids on the inside, they have that heart that wants yes. to be filled. Yes, and it, when mm-hmm. it's filled with God, they know it's right. And when it's filled with the world, they're still searching. And so this work is so important. The Engage magazine, which I can't wait. I'm going to go ahead and name it and claim it, although I'm not into prosperity doctrine, obviously. <laughs> but I, I want to be out front saying I would love to see a quarterly magazine engaged yes. for kids to subscribe to young adults. And I'm hoping that, that, that once-a-year paper copy turns into that quarterly. And I'm hoping that it goes far and wide and that people who are listening, we have to have a passion for our youth, mm-hmm. not just that they would grow up and be safe and not be in a school shooting right. and all of that, but that they would be living for Christ so that they would then want to get married and have kids mm-hmm. and replace themselves at sure. least, but possibly 
you know, go wild and prosper in there and, you know, having their families have those three, four, five kid families, the ones that we used to have that we've kind of fallen off that wagon Mm -hmm. and that they would be Christian homes. That's how we can glorify God with these kids and with the work that we're doing here on the radio. And I'm, I'm just glad that you were able to take the time out today to come on. And so what else, what else have you got? Talk, we're not done here. What sure. else you got? Well, I do want to point people to truthforyouth.com, truthforyouth.com. That's where you can get your free Bible to give away to someone who you see that's struggling or that you know for sure does not have a relationship with Jesus. This is the way that you can evangelize. And all the costs have been covered from Tim Todd's ministry who raised the money over the last year. And so all you do is request it, and we'll send it to you for free. That's truthforyouth.com. Or you can call the number one 800 733-4737. And I wanted to piggyback on what you said about the children uh, actually desiring some type of guidance or some type of structure because mm-hmm. I've worked in apartment ministries for over three years, and I noticed these everyone, 100% of the kids I had, I was around that were middle school kids had, had no father figure at all. And if they had a mother figure, they're more than likely strung out on something. And it was just a really bad situation. And I went there... And I was kind of like the the guy that was like, we had one, it was like bad, good cop, bad cop. We had one guy that was like, you know, uh, just, yeah, let's just love on these kids. And I was the kind of guy that was like, wait a minute, we're going to sit up and we're going to listen because I'm in here. We got 15 minutes. We're going, <laughs> if you have to write notes, you know, that kind of a guy. But as a result of the that, um, that idea of coming in and providing some guidance or some structure, they actually, they wouldn't want to admit it at the time, but they actually listened well and they and they responded to that very well. And it really and they did respond to that better than they would if I would have have given them some type of incentives, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was really shocked. And then of course it, over three years there was one there's a couple of particular ones that stood out. And over three years really uh, now we didn't we weren't there during the summertime, but I realized a huge difference in their life. And to this day, someone would still text me, ask me a couple questions. You can see the growth in them of their desire for that. So I've seen that firsthand. So it's important for us to be able to do what we can on the radio, but it's even more important for the family to be the family that God has laid out in Scripture. I want to tell a story too. Yes. And I, I've already, I've, I've shared this before on the radio, but it's been like, I don't even think I was on here back when this happened and, and I shared it. And it's one of the stories that you just get so humble. I, I actually cried about it later, mm-hmm. but I didn't let my son see it. But my, it was a few years ago when our kids were a lot younger and they were going to this science camp. And so all three of them went and it was their first time going for more than seven days. You know, camps are usually a week at a time. And we'd registered them for two weeks. And so I was a basket case. I'm like, all three kids gone for two weeks. What am I supposed to do with my life? Like, who am I? And this is before I had a daily show. So I'm like, what do I do? Yeah. I would just run around here and clean up all day. So I'm freaking out. But they went. And the science camp was supposed to be about caring for animals. They had like this huge number of different animals. You could adopt an animal for the week and take care of it. You could do science experiments, stuff like that. But what ended up happening was whenever they'd be in their cabins, they'd be talking about same sex and mm. and all kinds of things that I honestly I didn't think they'd be talking about at their ages. Sure. So my son was in a cabin with a group of boys and and he was unclear as to who was a Christian. And and I remember when we were packing his, you know, that big suitcase they take. <laughs> we were standing there and he had his Bible in his hand and he he was like kind of he looked like he was like, Should I put this in or not? And he said, Mom, should I take my Bible? It's not Christian camp. I said, But 
you might need your Bible. Mm. Don't you think you could read it while you're there? He said, Mom, you're right. And he put it in. I said, if you don't need it, I mean, I hope you'll read it. But if you don't, if you don't, at least you have it. Sure. So fast forward. They're there for about four days. And I wasn't able to get messages back and forth to them the way I thought I would be able to. So I just had to kind of trust they were doing fine. Well, my son, after after they'd have their day at night, like an hour before they'd start getting ready for bed, they'd sit in a circle and they'd have these chats. And the two cabin heads, the two chief boys in the cabin would kind of moderate, but the boys could talk about whatever. So the boys start talking about how Christianity oppresses people and how a couple of them were atheists. And three or four of the boys were just sitting there and they weren't saying anything. And my son piped up and said, hey, you know, I'm a Christian and I've never oppressed anybody. In fact, being a Christian is all about freedom because you yeah, decide to be a, fr- <laughs> uh, you know, a Christian. And so one of the boys was like, oh, you believe in God? Well, I believe in the spaghetti monster. And so he starts making up a song about believing in the spaghetti monster. And if you believe in the spaghetti monster, you believe in God and how stupid (laughs) all that is. And my son said he just he was like, I got so mad, mom, I couldn't believe it. And I looked around and I saw a couple of the other boys. They looked mad, but they didn't say anything. And so I said, this isn't about a spaghetti monster. I reached into my bag. I whipped my Bible out to the gospel and I told them how they could all be Christians. I told him about how God loved them and he'd done all these miracles for, for us and he would still keep doing that until the day he came back. <laughs> and the, the one boy kept making fun and then we all kind of broke up and I got so upset. I went on the front porch and I was singing songs from Joy FM and I was reading my Bible to try to calm down. And then I came in, I put my Bible away, I got ready for bed. And he said, after everyone was in bed, the one of the head boys came over and said, you know what, thank you for saying that because... I didn't really know how to, like, I could never mm. defend the faith the way you did. Yes. But you did an amazing job. And a couple of the other boys told me they believe the same thing that we, that, you know, we, there are more Christians than just you. Yes. And so it was an amazing moment for him. But he did tell me when he was recounting this story to me, he said, you know, mom, I was really sad because it would have felt so good in that moment for even one of them to say he's right. Yes. or I'm a Christian, too. But they were too afraid. That's right. And I told Miles and I told him, I said, in that moment where you were, you felt alone, God was with you. Mm. He enabled you to speak and you defended the faith and you never know how far those words will go with those boys who never will tell you that because you might never see them again. So I just, I'm telling that story because not because my son is perfect or we're so great, but because God can use us to do like what he did with you. You've spoken to their lives and made a difference. And we all have to be willing to do that. I, I, I could talk to you for a whole nother segment, oh. but I'm sure you have stuff to do. <laughs> Mr. Wildman, Director of Outreach for American Family Association. Thank you, sir. Thanks for joining in today. Thank you so much. And go to truthforyouth.com. All right. Truthforyouth.com, you guys. We'll be back with the final segment of the show for Thursday right after this. take to live an uncommon life. Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. How often do we minister only to those who are like-minded? When I was coaching, sometimes I'd have a coach or a player who may not have had a perfect past, and people would ask me if I really wanted them on the staff or the roster, or even if I wanted to be associated with them at all. Jesus wants us actively ministering to people who need to be ministered to who need to know the source of that difference in our lives and who need Jesus' healing words and His grace. 
How else will we show the world that we're different and we can impact those who may need it? Tony Dungy, author of the popular Uncommon book series. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com. One of the first steps to becoming a Christian is recognizing our sinful nature. What makes it so difficult is that we have selective vision when it comes to our own issues. It's easy for me to see your faults, but when it comes to seeing my own, then my eyesight automatically gets bad. One surefire way to measure new birth in Christ is by opened eyes and a clear vision. Sometimes we can pass between having sight and having no sight because we have fallen asleep to the needs around us, or our perspective on those things that are eternal is distorted. Whatever the case, there is nothing more dangerous than having blurred vision and still thinking that it's clear. Don't measure your vision by your own standards. It will be warped and distorted every time, but rather measure it by God's standards. God desires that our eyesight remains clear. So how is your eyesight today? With the heart for the Urban Family, I'm today's Urban Woman, Tony Johnson. Connect with us at UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Donald Trump's America. As flames scorch California from north to south, President Trump continues to weigh in, approving federal assistance while also placing blame for the state's weather woes. Trump took to Twitter to blast California's environmental laws and said this to national business leaders. They're really brave people. I've been watching them go into areas where very few people would go, and some of them don't come out alive. While many in California and elsewhere are convinced climate change is a major cause of the fires, Trump has questioned that assessment, saying the diversion of accessible water is to blame. Experts have dismissed that idea, as has Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein. That's nonsense, and we have adequate water for fire suppression. 14,000 firefighters are at work across the state trying to beat back the flames. In Los Angeles, Jonathan Hunt. Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Let me ask about specific questions. Has Twitter ever been involved in shadow banning? We do not shadow ban according to political ideology or viewpoint or content, period. Uh, we every every model that we have on the network. Uh, is really looking at the behaviors on the network. Uh, we take those behaviors as signals. And I do want to point out that these signals evolve uh, minute, like minute by minute, hourly by hourly. These are not scarlet permanent letters that people then take on as a badge and will never be ranked high in search or not allowed to trend or ranked high in conversation. So these are models that are looking at behaviors and behaviors of bad faith actors who intend to manipulate, distract, divide uh, a conversation um, or to unfairly amplify their content, which they didn't earn. So those are the signals that factor in. Uh, and, and we do rank uh, search, we do rank trends, and we do rank conversations accordingly. That does not affect one's timeline. If you follow someone on Twitter, you're going to see them in your timeline. Now, we do uh, rank the timeline for relevance, so it might take some scrolling to see everything. But what, you can also what, turn that ranking off in the settings, so you can see everything in recency order. <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on. What? So, welcome back to the show. I want to be orderly here. Um, this is the CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, who coincidentally is from St. Louis. I don't know if you guys, if you know that or not, but he's from St. Louis. 
He says, we don't shadow ban, but we kind of do. What he just described to you is that they do shadow ban. They don't tell you. They just deprioritize you in the, in the rankings. They just lower your rankings. And he says they don't do it on political viewpoint or ideology. But if you're unfairly magnifying yourself, how do you do that? How do you unfairly magnify yourself on Twitter? If people are retweeting you, it's because they like what you're saying. It, this is garbage. Total, utter garbage. Now, I got to give credit to Jack Dorsey for going on the Hannity show where he probably thought it was going to be kind of an unfriendly audience at least. And I give credit to Sean Hannity for having Jack Dorsey on because the conversation needs to be had. We want Jack Dorsey on the record. Is he a purveyor of a neutral public platform or is he suppressing one viewpoint in favor of another? That's the question here. So now he 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 kind of wraps up the conversation. And it's not a long clip, but it, Jack Dorsey continues to explain how this works. Uh, it's number four. What about and I think this might be something everybody agrees on. Let's start with people that are calling for some type of violence of any kind or threatening violence against an individual. I think that would probably be an easy, we're not going to allow that, right? Yes, that, that is much easier. Any sort of uh, violent speech, encouragement towards violence, uh, harassment uh, is directly against our terms of service and we take immediate action on it. What if somebody, now it gets more nuanced, oh, I wish somebody would just punch Hannity in the face. What do you do then? Well, we have to, in, in all these considerations, not to get into the specifics, we have to take the context. We have to really understand what the context of the conversation is. And this is extremely hard for an algorithm to do and, and certainly hard for, for humans to do. So we make sure that all of our folks understand the cultural context that something is said. Uh, because some cultural contexts allow for some speech that enables some speech that other cultural, cultural contexts don't. So as we review cases of reports or blocks or mutes, we have to make sure that we're taking into consideration that context and then acting, acting appropriately and doing so with, with warnings, with notices, with uh, a temporary lock of the account until that tweet is reviewed or, or deleted and ideally giving them the exact reasons why it violates and you have enough people that would be able to monitor and handle that that you won't miss threats? We'll certainly miss things. And mm -hmm. we're, we're certainly going to make mistakes along the way. That's why it's important for us to make sure that we have... Yeah, I think it's more complicated than everybody knows here. Hmm. Is it more complicated? Or is it just that they only have people monitoring conservatives? And so you have so many people monitoring conservatives that you don't have enough of them to left over to, to adequately monitor the true subversive content, the jihadists and uh, child rape predator type folks and all that stuff. I mean, if they would just devote themselves to actually looking at content that really, really is offensive and objectionable, like the people who tweet hate to me, I don't get it so much anymore because I don't tweet as often anymore. But at one point, I used to have all kinds of things coming through my DMs. And apparently, they read all of the direct messages on Twitter. And people used to, to send the, the worst kinds of, of threats and, and garbage to me on Twitter. And sometimes they'd tweet it out and I would report it. And Twitter would say, um, this does not violate our terms of service. Now, maybe Jack has changed. Maybe the chain, terms of service have changed. I don't know. And coincidentally, I, I have to add for... My more recent detractors who are currently sending me messages that if I was able to withstand the actual death threats from people on Twitter and people threatening my family and saying things about my kids and my husband and all of that. And I mean, I just have so many of those messages, the screen grabs from that, all of that, that, you know, it's now archived. If I was able to withstand that, then I'm certainly going to be able to withstand people who are upset with me this week. 
And if I didn't allow those people who tend to be on the left, the political left, to influence what I say on the radio and influence the kind of activism that I did because I felt that what I was doing was right and I felt like it was biblical and that I was called to say and tweet those things and that that was what I had to do. If that was fine then and I was able to withstand that, then I'm certainly not going to change the tone of this show or what's done here this week. And I'm not saying that to be defiant or that I don't appreciate feedback, but it's if if people are sending me things that I would consider to be hate messages, that's not going to alter anything. Hatred doesn't do it for me. The rest of it, obviously, case by case basis. So I think when I hear Jack Dorsey talking like this, it sounds really disingenuous and I have trouble believing him. And I would I would genuinely like to believe that he is this really reasonable person who is running a platform that can at times, because of its size and its scope, get away from him. And that in the end, what he really wants to do is just give an opportunity for everyone to have a say to, you know, uh, share whatever they want, to share content, to enjoy content. Because I can tell you how many times you go on Twitter, you know, and you'll click on the moments box and there'll be a moment about someone who does something awesome or someone who, you know, a cat that's standing on his hind legs like a human or, I mean, you, you name it, there's always something And when you see it, it just kind of takes you away from your work for a second. You laugh and you're like, oh, that's so funny. I I enjoy that content on Twitter. But this isn't about that content. This isn't about the stuff that we can all enjoy regardless of what politics we have. This is about viewpoint discrimination. And I, I just think it's really unfortunate that we see him maintaining this language that makes it seem as if they're just unwittingly stuff's happening to conservatives and we just don't know why, you know, or using some of the terms that he's used before that really, honestly, they don't mean anything. Watch the videos by Project Veritas where they admit that they shadow ban. They admit that if you use words like MAGA and Tea Party and, you know, even the word Trump, they deprioritize your tweets and, and people can't see them. You tweet, nobody sees it. I'd love to hear Jack Dorsey be asked directly about that and put on the record to answer. I guess you can't force him to answer, but it'd be great to hear him answer that. So here in the last few minutes of the show, I feel like this is something that we all need is to finish up what I was sharing about, you know, it, it's, it's really not topically based. When we talk about having a gentle spirit, knowing that the Lord is near, being anxious for nothing, this is why we have to continually renew our minds in, in our scripture. That's why we have to constantly read the Bible, talk about the Bible to our husband and our kids or our wife and our kids or you know, our, our coworkers. Or we have to keep it constantly on our minds and our lips because it's so easy to get mired down in what we can see. And, and we as human beings, you know, God has given us such an amazing world to enjoy and such amazing technology that's now being developed that we can also enjoy. And, but we're very much oriented to what we can experience with our senses as human beings. And God knows that, but he's also cautioned us to rely on him, which means relying on the unseen, walking by faith, the Holy Spirit, all of the the aspects of our, our Christian faith. And so when we were Leaving the first segment, I was reading Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord. Always again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. 
The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Well, what part of what's being said there in God's word is that when we pray, this peace comes over us because then we're connecting to God. We're allowing him to take the turmoil and it's, it's a really oppressive type of a spirit that comes on you when you really consider all of the ramifications of the open border or the lack of God in, in our kids' schools or, you know, all the things that are going on. Praying calms us down. It helps us feel the awareness of God. It gives us a chance to talk to someone who could actually do something about the problem that we're, we're concerned with. The Bible says when we pray, we're seated in heavenly places. We're, I mean, that's, that's amazing. So we know that God knows our limitations, right? He, he knows, but we, we have to remind ourselves, God knows us. He, he knows our every thought, our every feeling. He's numbered the hairs on our head. He keeps track of every tear. That's how much he cares about each and every one of us. So he's known our limitations and he's provided for that. First Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you, but as such as is common to man and God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. So you know what you can handle. That's what your mind thinks you can handle, but God knows exactly what you can handle. He knows exactly how far you can go. He also knows how far he'll go if we decide we're going to be for me, a woman of prayer, a woman who I, when I get that turmoil and everything starts bubbling up and I start to feel, you know, your blood pressure's going up. You get the little bead of sweat over your forehead and you're like, Oh, here it goes. Plug in Lord. I'm going there. I'm on the bullet train to angry. I'm on the bullet train to worry. I'm on the bullet train to not trusting you and knowing that you're sovereign and that you have all things under control. Help me get back. And then we can say to ourselves, you know, well, how much do, does God love me? How do I know how much he loves me and how intimately he's involved in my life? And that's where, for me, the prayer journal becomes very, very important because I'm able to go through it and I can flip back and, oh, I remember praying for this because it's not always at the tip of your, your tongue, that at, at the very front of your remembrance, the last time God answered a prayer for you. And by writing down the things that I'm praying for and then when they're answered Right. And even if it's not the answer I thought it was going to be, or it's a no, you write those answers in and then you're able to see, wait, ah, it, this is very specific for me. I have a prayer that I have been praying for like seven years now. And one of one, it's like a multi-part prayer that I've been praying. And one part of that prayer, God very distinctly said no to me two years ago. And I mean, it wasn't no, it was like a roaring freight train ran me over. It was a no. And I don't mean to say that, you know, God ran me over and it was, I'm saying it was a no that felt to me like a freight train. Now that I'm a few years beyond that, I can see why he said no there because the yes that I was looking for had to come later. But in order for me to trust God for bigger things, remembering that process that God took me through and seeing how he worked it out for my good, 
is very, very helpful. It strengthens my faith. And if you've seen that, uh, that movie, The War Room, she talks about, she puts the answered prayers and she writes them on a, on a, like a canvas and then she framed it. So every time she walks by, she remembered, oh, God answered my prayer, God answered my prayer. So she can remember, I need to be praying about this because God will answer the prayer. And it strengthened her faith. The prayer journal does that. Whatever method you feel is best, it helps because we have to visualize how much God loves us and how often he intervenes on our behalf and works things out for our good so that we can expect him to do the same thing with even bigger prayer items. And it almost sounds crazy to other people if, if, you know, when your faith is small. I remember when my faith was much smaller, I would hear people say, the Lord answers prayer. He never leaves one prayer unanswered. He will always work things out for your good. And sometimes I'd be like, well, how can he always work it out for my good? You know, that's where I was back then. Well, he's always going to work it out for your good because he's God. But if you're in that place right now where you're experiencing either the no or there's some silence, you haven't heard that, I encourage you to write down what you're praying for and then keep writing where even the feelings where you feel like, I don't even know if the Lord's listening to you, put that down too. Keep that journal going. And while you're doing that, keep praying, keep reading your word and keep just, it's, it's baby steps. It's little steps at a time. The same way no one puts a 10 month old or 11 month old baby on the ground near the couch and then goes across the room and says, okay, run. No one does that. Although I have to say our oldest child, she walked a few steps and then she was running. <laughs> and then our son, he, he, he didn't walk for like three months past where she started walking. So everyone's different. But God doesn't expect us to, you know, get down and start running right off. He's going to help us along the way. But we will run. We'll run and we won't even be weary. Because that's the God we serve his awesome, amazing ability to take care of us. It's, we don't have what we need because we don't ask. So let's get to asking. That's the show for today. God bless. Be with you tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of Urban Family Talk, Urban Family Communications, or American Family Association.